This episode is presented by Learn Worlds. Did you know that creating an income online or adding a new revenue stream to your business has never been easier? Well, that got my attention. Have you ever considered taking your knowledge, skills, and expertise and converting it into a course that you can sell online? Maybe a course on podcasting. That's come across my desk. Also had ideas about other things that my parents could teach. Rather than be a TikTok star, rather than be a social media influencer, use your skill set to teach something that you know well. Introducing Learn Worlds. Learn Worlds makes it easy to create, host, and sell beautiful online courses that have an impact. With Learn Worlds' intuitive platform and a wealth of resources to educate yourself, you're only a few steps away from building a thriving online business in the booming knowledge economy. Visit trylearnworlds.com free to start your 30-day free trial. Now stay tuned for Sports with Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 324. Thank you so much for the continued subscriptions, the downloads, the numbers have been steady throughout this entire season, so we really, really appreciate it. Uh, We've got a lot to do on the podcast, and we've had some Seattle icons before. We had the legendary Mike Gastineau uh, on this podcast. We have had Dave Softy Mahler on this podcast. We've had Chris Daniels from King Five a couple of times. It's very early on we had him on to talk about the arena situation with Key Arena. Uh, we've also had the CEO of the Seattle Kraken, Todd Liewicki. That's episode 167. Chris Daniels is episode 11. That's wild. That's even before we called this podcast Sports with Friends. Yep. And then the Kraken season started. We've seen their opener. We saw their home opener, and it gave me the idea to have an old friend on this podcast. Uh, KJR has always been part of my family. Uh, Working there in the late 90s was a big stepping stone for my career, and it was something I treasured always, and I've always, always considered that place to be my other home. Uh, And Ian Furness does middays there. He also works for Q13 Fox, and recently was the substitute Kraken play-by-play announcer. We had to talk to him as well. It's also week nine in the NFL, and there's that big game between the Titans and the Rams. The head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com, Patrick Morrow. Hey, Patrick, that Titans-Rams game got a lot more interesting this week. That's right, Seth, with Derek Henry out in this one and Von Miller being added to the Rams. Uh, This line is very topsy-turvy than where it would have been a week ago. Yes, we will talk to him in just a moment, but first, let me be honored to welcome the great Ian Furness to the show. We hope we didn't doctor the uh, the the intro too bad, but man, it is good to see you again. It was great to hang with you when you were in New Jersey. That was a highlight of my month. How about you? Well, it was the highlight of the trip to have you there uh, helping me out and spotting, uh, going solo last second and doing uh, NHL games was uh was challenging to say the least, but uh, having uh, having a friend there in the booth uh, that understood the game and could help me out was awesome. But it was great to see you. Uh, lunch was better, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, lunch it was, was better than the game. Yeah, there's no question. <laughs> and the punk, who's the punk that hit Jack Hughes that he's still not out back yet? Jack uh, Hughes, a veteran, by the way, of of this podcast. Was it Lozon? I think it was Lozon. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Lozon. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's good for a team to have people who hate them, and I, 
yeah. already the Kraken are hated yeah. on the East Coast, or at least in New Jersey. So that's F good. Them. Yeah, F <laughs> them. F them. Um, well, let's start with that story. It's a crazy story. Yeah. Um, the Kraken are this new franchise. We've talked about the Kraken. We had Gary Bettman on this podcast, episode 299. Uh, we talked about what the Kraken were going to mean and all the different things. And there's a couple of Seattle-based questions that I have for you later. But the story went is that they hired a guy by the name of Everett Fitzhugh as the uh, new play-by-play announcer for the Kraken. He would be the first ever uh, African-American NHL regular radio announcer. Um, that's a historical moment in its own right. The Kraken are set to open their, their initial season in Vegas. I watched it on ESPN plus. And the next thing, you know, Everett Fitzhugh tested positive for COVID and he's okay. And, and, and I've heard him on the radio since, and he, he's all right, but he couldn't call the first ever game, which was a story in its own right. John Forsland, who did the TV broadcast, moved over to radio to do that opening night game on basically no notice, but he had been practicing and be ready to call the team's game. There's four games on a road trip. You get a phone call. (laughs) You get a phone call. Now you've done hockey before, but not on that level. And what was that phone call like? And what was your initial reaction? Well, I mean, a lot of it was surreal, just kind of how it happened. Um, you know, I mean, going back, I was, I, I was having multiple conversations over basically two and a half years with, with the, the Kraken, with uh, Todd Lewicki, their CEO, and, and uh, others in the organization about, uh, about those roles, uh, one or both. I've done, I did AHL and IHL and other games for years and years. And so uh, being here in Seattle, I was, I, you know, I was in the conversation with, with some of those jobs, they went elsewhere, obviously with John and, and who's got great experience with NBC sports and on a national level and, uh, you know, was let go in Carolina, but, but, you know, landed in a national gig for a year before coming out here. So his and, resume and, and, speaks and just, for itself. just to reference, if, if yep. people are wondering about Todd Lywicki, it's episode yeah. 167 of this podcast. So it's a number of years ago. Continue. Yeah, he, he, uh, so, you know, John's resume speaks for itself. They hired it. They decided to go to with Everett. Um, and so I kind of had just tuned out to be honest with you i do so much with the seahawks in the fall uh with the tv station as well as radio but uh my my second gig besides the daily radio show is the is working at the fox affiliate as you mentioned seth and and traveling and we cover every game with our part tv partner so we have a lot of content and a lot of programming around that so when i wasn't involved with the kraken i kind of tuned out i figured i'll be a fan later on in the year and and once football's over and away we go probably watched maybe 10 minutes of a preseason game uh, at the most. And on the Sunday before they opened up in Vegas on that Tuesday night of opening week of the NHL, uh, I got a text uh, from our program director at the radio station, Rich Moore, who, who you know well, and he said, hey, do you have a few minutes? And that didn't, you know, that never sounds good on a Sunday night before the yep. work week starts, right? Yep, so yep. I'm like, well, I literally, and I, I told this story to Larry Stone from the Seattle Times, I said, I literally I poured a cocktail and brace myself for the worst <laughs> and, you, thought, uh, you thought that layoffs were coming because that's the radio industry that's the radio business right and so uh he he says well listen uh, Everett Fitzhugh uh, tested positive for COVID he can't go on the trip 
uh, we need you to go. And, you know, if, if it works out now, it was kind of all up in the air at that point, I think they had to do some more COVID tests and everything else. And they, he said, yeah, John's going to do the first game in Vegas because it's on ESPN. So there's no local TV on root sports. So we went down that road. I waited till my, I got in Monday to the radio station. They're kind of still hemming and hawing. I'm not sure what we're going to do, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, well, is it yes? Is it no? And actually that Monday and Tuesday night, I'd already committed. I was working at the TV station until I was doing the late sports, anchoring the late sports cast. So I was there till midnight, both those days. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, I got a, I got a busy week. Oh, and by the way, Pittsburgh uh, Seahawks at Pittsburgh Sunday night, the following Sunday. So I'm kind of looking ahead at this daunting week. Am I going or not? They finally made the call late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Yeah. It, Everett can't go. He's got COVID. It's, you know, the, the tests are, are positive. It's not a false negative because so the team that's actually, what the, that's what the hemming and hawing was. They were because, like, maybe it's a false positive and right. He's okay. And you can't because of the historical aspect of it. Yes. You cannot not have him there if he's right. Out. And, and think about it. The team had had, if people it may, or may not be aware you have to be a diehard hockey fan. Know this. The team actually had a bunch of false positives. They had yes, some guys yeah. they didn't think were going to be there. And then they showed up in Vegas at three o'clock in the afternoon and played that night. Like I think it was four players. They had five initially that were out. One did have a positive. The other four didn't. So they're going through this whole process. And, you know, I'm trying to explain to my company because the TV station, we travel, we travel every week. We're gone. We, we, with the Hawks and the NFL, that's just, but you part don't of travel our, with the team. It's commercial. It's, it's commercial. Booked, it's it's all part of the regimen. We know what we're doing. This is a whole different beast. We're trying to book last second travel from the West to the East coast all over the place. And so I finally got to the point where they said, okay, yeah, positive. So we need you to leave. Can you do it? We need you to leave. And the funny thing was, I didn't even know, listen, when I didn't get the main jobs, I was like, whatever. And you know, it's part of the business. It's just professional disappointment, but I kind of tuned out. As I mentioned, not only that, I just wasn't even thinking about this as a possibility, even though we knew COVID is a possibility in our world. They actually had done some planning because they had credentialed me with an NHL broadcast season credential. Like they handed it to me on the Tuesday. Go, hey, by the way, here's your credential for the season. I go, well, what, where did this come from? Well, just in case we were making plans. I go, it would have been nice to know. Like, you know, I probably would have watched. <laughs> I would have watched. Some, I probably would have watched some preseason games if I knew that I was like the backup. So like um, if Forslund got sick or if yeah, any yeah, of them, anybody, yeah. you, you would have been. Yeah. So I'm God, in the. You're I'm Randy on the, Villardi. I'm on the depth chart, right? You know, I'm, yeah, I'm Joe utility guy, which didn't even know that. But the hard thing was, is booking travel. I mean, anybody that travels, it's, yeah. it's hard enough booking travel in a, in a normal world. We're not in a normal world. And, and so, you know, our, our radio station is not equipped to do that. We're the flagship, but we're not equipped to do that at all. Um, even though it's a big company. So I ended up calling, I have a good travel agent that does our, you know, some personal stuff for us. And she, she came through in a pinch. I mean, the only thing that stressed me out which ended up being the easiest part of the trip was uh, the train ride from Philadelphia to New Jersey. Now your people on the East coast are like, what are you talking about? Well, us West coast guys, we don't do the train. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm good. I can navigate any airport in the country, but I do the train. So yeah. So all of a sudden Tuesday night, I work late Wednesday morning, get up early and fly to Nashville. And, uh, and then four games later, my NHL career comes, it starts and ends just like that. But it was, uh, it was a while. Oh, and I squeezed an NFL Sunday night football game uh, and, and in as well. To, to well, cover think that. about the geography from that, like just yeah. for our audience, like you went from Columbus to Pittsburgh, to Philadelphia, to New Jersey. Oh, well, Nashville, Nashville. No, no, no I know that, oh, but, yeah. but I'm yeah. saying that the, yeah. the part with the Seahawks, like it yeah. just, you did a game in Columbus. You On went Saturday. from Columbus to Pittsburgh the next Sunday. day. 
the yeah. Seahawks Steelers. Yeah. And then you went to Philly from Pittsburgh. Right. And then Philadelphia to New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. You had you darker s- hair before the trip started. I, I did. When you saw me on, on, when you saw me on that you Tuesday fly. in New Jersey, I was done. Yeah. I was pretty and much. I was old. like, I was can old. I help you in any way? I just felt for you. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't looking for any catch. I wasn't looking for anything. And I just oh, I do anything. And you were just like, could you just be there? <laughs> <laughs> I was, Hey, I was just, at, you know, first of all, it was nice to have, you know, a meal with somebody. I think, yeah. you know, that was the first time I did that the whole trip. Um, so yeah, to have lunch with somebody with a familiar face and a good friend, and then also to have somebody in the booth, not, not just the engineer that was, you know, that does a road game. So yeah, it was, it was an adventure, man. It was uh, it was crazy. It was an adventure and, uh, you know, I'm glad I, I did it. Job. I was, I was exhausted, but I was glad I did it. Yeah, no, I thought you did a great job. Thank you. More of this great conversation with Seattle's own Ian Furness in just a moment. But first, there's college football. There's NFL football this weekend. So we will welcome in the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, let's start with the best matchup, and that is Auburn traveling to Texas A&M. You know, Auburn has had the, the big victory over Ole Miss. They've been you know, rising up the rankings. Now, here's the thing about that ranking. It's not going to impact. They're not going to be in the college football playoff. What are they playing for? I always wonder that. And could you have a letdown going into Texas A&M? I, I, I would hope not a letdown. But I, I think looking at Auburn's schedule this year, Seth, uh, you know, they've played some tough ones. Uh, they traveled to Penn State, lost a close one there. You know, they ran into, uh, you know, Gosh, one of the best uh, college football defenses uh, in recent memory in Georgia, only able to put up 10 against them. Uh, You know, they're playing for relevance. They're playing for, hey, we're here too in the state of Alabama. And, uh, you know, know, Auburn, Auburn, I, I I like Auburn. I like Auburn historically because they've always been that team that, listen, if Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, do everything to the letter. If they do it on repeat, if they do it perfectly, they are a football factory. Whereas Auburn has always been chaotic, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's been, uh, you know, uh, the kick six game, for example. I I mean, they are aggressive, they win funky, and uh, they've been a fun foil to Nick Saban on the rare times that they have been able to upend them. So yeah, you know what? They play for relevance, they're playing for recruiting, and. Come November 27th, uh, they may be playing spoiler. But hey, as it currently stands in the SEC West, Auburn and Alabama are both one-loss teams. I don't expect Auburn to be in Atlanta for that SEC championship game, but on paper right now they have a chance. So they're playing for relevance. They're playing for pride. Uh, Yeah, they're not going to be in the college football playoff, except maybe, except maybe, but probably not. But they will be in tough this Saturday, Seth. They are four and a half point road dogs in this one they are getting about 60 percent of all money bet at bovada right now kind of a tight over under 50 and uh you know again i'm gonna steal from booger mcfarland uh, last week it's a perception game for auburn if they can win this they have a chance at the sec west they have a chance and listen that alabama defense has been pretty questionable this year maybe they catch them it should be interesting as for the crimson tide uh they are back off their bye week they take on lsu now this is a mismatch as well but Alabama coming out, they know that they're in the playoff. They, you know, they, they have not lost anything. When you're this good, you lose uh, a game, and it, you don't have to be undefeated. They're upset, but no one else is. Alabama taking on an LSU squad that is very, very much uh, in flux with uh, Ed Orgeron moving on. That's right, Seth. And uh, you know, looking at uh, 
the early line in this one. Alabama are no surprise, massive favorites. They are four touchdown, 28 and a half point favorites at Bavada right now. You uh, take them? Do you take them? You know what, uh, Seth? It's it's really hard to take Alabama. Like I know that Texas A&M uh, lost is a couple weeks removed now, but it's really hard to go against Alabama after they lose. Uh, Nick Saban figures out what's wrong with his team and sorts that out pretty quickly. And I think we've seen that in the early day results, uh, you know, since that loss. You know, Alabama is, they're terrifying. LSU doesn't have an identity. They're a team in transition. They're a team that has, you know, not really had any success uh, post uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase going pro. So uh, it's tough. They don't rebuild like Alabama rebuilds and retools. I I have no opinion on the game. That's a lot of points. And, uh, you know, usually when Alabama has a, a point spread that high, which, you know, they actually do have, we do have a sample size for this. The only answer is, does Alabama stop themselves? Do they take their foot off the pedal at some point in the fourth quarter? Do they give up a cheap one to LSU? I think this is, and this is a tough thing to handicap. This is, these are unique situations where it's not just about will a team win and by how many points. I think Alabama will very much determine whether Alabama is covering this spread on Saturday and uh, whether they will allow LSU into this game. So a tough one, it's a stay away for me, but I think the number's pretty close to being right at 28 and a half again at the bottom. All right, now let's go to the NFL and this is week nine. Oh, the season is <laughs> flying right along. Um, we'll start it off with Thursday night, the, uh, the <laughs> red hot Mike White led New York Jets taking on Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts in a Thursday night game that if you're in the United States, you can watch right on my Twitch channel. We have so much fun during that night. It is so much fun to, you know, to take the questions and they, we do, we, we do prediction games. So it'll be like, what, you know, will they run more or pass more on this drive? You know, stuff like that. And you just, you, you, you're constantly engaged in the football game. And last week, there was such a great game between the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. I just can't imagine what the barn burner Jets and Colts will be like. <laughs> well, Seth, uh, it, it's no secret on my end that when it comes to, you know, football broadcast, there's the Seth Everett Twitch show, then there's Manning cast, and then there's everything else. So uh, you are missing out, folks, if you don't check this out on Thursday night. But, uh, you know, looking at Jets and Colts and gosh, I've got some awkward fantasy football decisions this week, Seth. Am I starting Mike White? Am I starting Trevor Simeon? Am I picking up Adrian Peterson off the waiver wire in Tennessee? Uh, bizarre week of football with a lot of injuries and uh, very surprising to say the <laughs> least that, that the New York football Jets knocked off Cincinnati and Joe Burrow this weekend in a crazy game. Uh, Mike White was phenomenal in that one. 34-31, uh, totally shocked everyone. Shocked a lot of survivor pools out there. I think 50% of survivor pool entrants in various leagues were knocked out over the weekend. Thankful for that because I wasn't one of them. Uh, but looking at the game itself, uh, you know, we do expect uh, Mike White and the New York Football Jets to come back down to earth a little bit. They are 10.5-point road dogs at Bavada right now. But, hey, listen, our players like the recency bias, about 60% of all bets are on the Jets uh, with a two-score underdog uh, deficit or perceived deficit and uh, four to one on the money line. So we're seeing about 80% of all bets on the money line sets. So there is some early faith that uh, they might have caught lightning in a bottle with Mike White and the New York Jets, but uh, we like the Colts and we like them bigly at Bovada. Uh, all right, the marquee matchup in the NFL is the Sunday night game. The Tennessee Titans uh, take on the Los Angeles Rams in that gorgeous stadium. 
that is a reason that, that that's like a tourist attraction there is a game being played in that beautiful stadium in la it's between the titans and the rams uh and boy we've seen a lot of line movement from when we opened an early line uh, just over a week ago uh, to where we are now, the Titans obviously are without Derrick Henry for what appears to be the rest of the season, but almost certainly, of course, for this game with a massive injury. And the Rams upgraded this week. Uh, they grabbed Von Miller from the Denver Broncos. And uh, an already excellent defense has just really been taken uh, up another notch. We have seen the line in this game, Seth, move from Rams minus four and a half all the way up to eight points now. A massive move to reflect uh, reflect the loss of the greatest running back in the league right now in Tennessee. I don't think Adrian Peterson makes up even half of that production, especially just being signed. Uh, and, and yeah, they, I, again, the LA Rams, uh, they have looked like, I, I think, I think, the most consistent team in football the last few weeks outside of maybe the Green Bay Packers. I, I, I was big on the Rams before the season. I was just, okay, is Stafford going to be the guy to figure it out? On the flip side, real quick, uh, how perfect is Jared Goff in Detroit? I think that was fantastic. You know, that team is so hapless. Their history is so hapless. Jared Goff under center, poor guy, undersized hands. I don't feel too bad for him because he's making way more money than I am. But uh, <laughs> back to Titans Rams. So yeah, the Rams are up to uh, eight point favorites in this one. They opened at four and a half. A lot of line movement there. Uh, no surprise, we're seeing 70% of all bets on the Rams in this one. I'm a big fan of Mike Rabel as a coach. I think he does fun things. Uh, we were talking about Auburn earlier, and I think he thinks outside of the box in terms of play calling, in terms of you know how he approaches each game with, okay, this is what we got to do, not this is who we are. Uh, so I, I, I like him to do some funky stuff to try and keep it close, but you got to like the Rams. You got to like that line movement. Over-under sitting at 54, Seth, uh, the second highest over-under of the game. Again, Titans don't play a lot of defense, but uh, they may struggle to score in this one. Should be quite a matchup. That is Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada. Our thanks to him for joining us each and every week, not only during the football season, but other parts of the sports season as well. Now back to our conversation with Seattle's own Ian Furness of KJR and Q13 Fox. There's been so much talk about the stigma that the city had when the Sonics left. Right. And we've covered that in great detail on this podcast. Um, it's been something that I've been focused on because, you know, I was the backup pre and post game guy. You know, I, I was David Locke's backup. And so I did about 10 games a year and that was it. Like that was just enough. I'm not an NBA person. Like I didn't, I didn't care enough, but I knew the people. And when the Sonics left, I was brokenhearted for the people. And I just, thought there was a stigma about the city and you and I have not talked about this a lot. I've gotten the sense that since then there has been a chip on the Seattle sports fans, uh, virtual shoulder in that it's not just that you have a loud stadium. You had to have the loudest stadium. It's yeah. not just that you had a soccer team. You had to have the highest attendance ever for a soccer team. It has to be, we're trying to prove to the rest of the nation that Seattle is a great sports town and Seattle doesn't have the reputation of being a great sports town nationally. What they have is step foot in that town and sports is everywhere. Even the boring Mariners are everywhere. And I just got the sense that the Kraken, they don't fill a void because again, I, th I still think this team wants the Sonics back. They don't just want a basketball team, by the way. 
If you give them the Seattle hams, they're not interested. They want that team with those colors and all of that. But the cra- what is the Kraken's place? Uh, that's a good question. I, well, it fills a void. It, it definitely fills a void, uh, you know, from end of football till until baseball and really in our town end of football until football starts again, because the baseball team has given us nothing over the last 20 plus years. They, I was there when the, the, yeah. I was there when the last time they were in the play. Yeah, they've given us disappointment and that's about it. I, I, it fills a void. It doesn't fill the void of the Sonics. It doesn't it doesn't do that. But. You know, it's, it's interesting. I never thought of it in that sense, with how you mentioned with, you know, the loud stadiums and the sounders and all that. I don't know how much that I don't think that was a factor. I think there's two things that come into play. One, it's always been a great soccer town. It goes back to 1974 with the old North American Soccer League. And they used to pack the old Memorial Stadium and then they packed the Kingdom. It's always been a very good soccer town. Um, and there's a big soccer following. A lot of kids play it. It's a very popular sport out here. Always has been. And the rivalry with Vancouver and Portland existed in the 70s and the 80s. Obviously went away and then came back with the MLS. So, And I think that's a separate fan base. It's a really separate fan base from your normal Seattle sports fan base. You know, we call them the skinny jeans fan base. You know, skinny jeans, lattes, IPAs, and away you go. It's what everything you think of Seattle, that's the Sounder fan. Um, The Seahawks, you know, it was a loud stadium in the – Listen, the NFL made a rule when the kingdom was in existence that, you know, the, the Mark Wilson Raiders rule, like you couldn't be too loud in a stadium. You could get penalized for that. That was the NFL rule. But if people, but a lot of people always thought that was the cement roof. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was never just, like the fans are the greatest fans in the world. You know, no, people, it, people have said the old mile high stadium, the old arrowhead stadium, yeah. which is not old. It's still where they play, but just the idea of those places were the naturally loudest. And then Seattle gets this outdoor stadium that I remember voting for. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. I've never been in it, but they have this and it had to be the loudest. And, you know, I, f- I have so many Seattle followers on social media and I follow so many of the people. And yeah. They were like, of course, we have the best fans and the number 12s and the this and the that. Well, and, and I, think I said, they, was, I think been this that sounds way. like this is a city that is yeah. just trying to say, look at us. We're a good sports town. I, and I agree with that part to a point. I, I do think that the Seattle football fan going back to the kingdom and, you know, and having been there and having covered games at the old mile high and, and arrowhead back, I was at the Derek Thomas sack game, you know, when the Seahawks still won at the last second uh, working for Como out there then. So I've, I've been around all those loud Steve's Seattle Seahawks fans are just different. Um, They're just different. They're it's a very blue collar. Now it's a little bit transitioning. I think I hear that. I don't know. I, I still think it's, Part of it's just the team is is a little harder to root for right now, but it's a very blue collar fan base, uh, especially by NFL standards. It has a Cleveland feel to it. I think the only place I would compare Seattle to would be Cleveland, uh, in which like it's we consume massive amounts of beer, and not that I'm against that at all. In fact, I'm pro beer. Um, but uh, they, it, it's that's, it, that's, they, your, that's your campaign they, stance. Yeah, exactly. Beer. They they get after it, and it's the Boeing you know, a machinist worker building airplanes. It's the guy working at the port of Seattle, sitting in the South end zone with the neck tattoo, man, they are after it. And they don't sit down like that. Lower bowl does not sit down. It's a college blue collar. If you can have this, a blue collar college atmosphere. So I was kind of that, that being said, when the Sonics left and here's where the Kraken come in, when the Sonics left, there was this narrative around sports and nationally, the national media specifically, wow, Seattle didn't support the Sonics, and that's why they're leaving. And if they would have supported that team better, they would never have left. 
that could not because have people been stereotype. They make it the Baltimore Colts and the, it's and the, it's, you, it's an empty. It's an empty right. arena. That's not the case. They still played to 80 plus percent capacity, even when they were trying to move the team the last year of the, of the franchise in 2007, 2008, they didn't spend one dollar, one dollar, one cent or one second on any marketing or advertising. They wanted the franchise to draw five or six thousand. It didn't. It still averaged almost 13,000 people a game in the 17,000 seat building. Still, by NBA standards back then, pretty damn good. A lot of teams would have taken that, especially as bad as they were even with Kevin Durant. The building wasn't feasible. Uh, it wasn't going to get built. It, it was a building issue. It wasn't a fan base issue. So when the Sonics left, that chip on the shoulder existed, like you said, but it was more because it's like, Hey, we didn't lose the Sonics because of us as a fan. We lost the Sonics because of corporate and politics and all of that stuff. That's, and really what they lost it for is, I mean, David Stern could have stepped in like he did with Sacramento and he didn't. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, while some will celebrate him as this great commissioner in the NBA, uh, the late David Stern is someone that will always be a villain in Seattle. Uh, among we, others, among others, you know, when we so, had, when we, uh, when David Stern passed away, you know, so many people wanted to talk about his legacy and he had a great legacy mm -hmm. and our David Stern podcast featured, um, uh, Etan Thomas, who was with the NBA players association mm -hmm. and his battles, you know, with Stern and his yep. respect. And then I put Bob Stelton on <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, we're going to tell the story completely. You know, yes, like if absolutely. we're going to tell a story, we're telling the whole story. Right. And so I did not ignore the great accomplishments that David Stern had. David Stern, to me, is the Lex Luthor of the of the story. Clay mm. Bennett's the Joker. He's the, the villain that, you know. Right. Yeah. Howard Schultz is the Riddler because Howard Schultz had so many opportunities to do the right thing and chose to do the wrong thing. Now you want to blame the mayor and you want to blame, you know, the government and the public funding. And, but that's something that's in the rhetoric of every relocation. Story. Everything, everything. That's yeah. That's the I'm... problem because when you hear that part, so, so if, if the ignorant national person says Seattle didn't support the team, when they saying is the government didn't back the idea. And yep. yes, that was true, but that's not the story. The story is Lex Luthor the Joker and the Riddler combining in cahoots the the guys from sonic skate yeah the, oh yeah eric yeah. and those guys uh, phenomenal, they were yeah. one of the early guests on this podcast and i just remember that film and you saw everything come to light mm -hmm. and you know i remember being on the air you know because you know, rich has me fill in every once in a while usually in the summer you know when somebody takes off i've done your show i've done other mm -hmm. shows and I remember when the Sonics were leaving, all I kept saying was, you know, why is this not being treated like a bigger deal? Right. And, and at the time, it was just being shoveled under the rug. We were in a traditional media sense. Yes. I think, if, I think if there would have been social media more than in 08, uh, and if it would have been a bigger deal, I, th I think the Seattle fan felt like nobody protected him and her. You know, and, and and then watching what happened with Sacramento being protected later, um, you know, I think the only, you know, Winnipeg could relate to us with the move of the Jets to Phoenix, yep. um, you know, and I think, Quebec. I think, the, you know, Quebec certainly going to Denver and, and then, you know, and then watching the Vancouver Grizzlies going to Memphis, which mm -hmm. has never worked. It just has never worked. One of the most cosmopolitan 
big cities in North America, in Vancouver, British Columbia, they had poor ownership. They, the only team that's done a worse job drafting in all professional sports than the, the, the Vancouver Grizzlies is the Seattle Mariners. I mean, and, and yeah. so it's, it's, you know, they just made, made a mistake, Matt. And, but moving those teams, we felt like nobody had our back. You know, you asked about the Kraken, where the Kraken fit. Well, since 2008, we haven't had a winter sport. And so, you know, the Seahawks fans and the season ends, and like this is big gap, you know, January, February, March into April before baseball starts. And at least we get a couple of weeks before we're normally disappointed. So like, you know, we've never had that. We just have had this huge gap since 08. But are you um, going to, on your show, are you going to talk about their power play? I, are you I gonna think talk about, are you going to yeah. talk about, you know, they've lost they, 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 the second game of a back-to-back and they didn't have their legs and like, you're a hockey guy, so you might, but right. I remember being there and getting told not to talk hockey. Yeah, I think you it's know? changed. I know. I think I think it's changed. I think uh, I think a couple of things come into play. One, you know, not as much now, although every one of our shows on our station is doing at least one day. You know, they're doing a segment a week. They're doing a weekly right now. And in radio terms, that's that's a big deal, um, you know, because we're a football town, college football with the Huskies and the Cougs and, and the Seahawks. I mean, we're a football town. This is a if you're in sports, radio, sports media here, we're football 100 uh, percent. I, 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 I can tell you this we are talking more hockey right now on our air and we're seeing more hockey in the newspaper and even on the TV sports cast than we do with the Sounders with an MLS team that's won two MLS cups and certainly more than the WNBA will ever see, et cetera. So, you know, I, in terms of the pecking order, it's Seahawks college football with whatever team you want to pick of the two in the state mm-hmm. Seahawks college football and the, the Mariners slash Kraken are probably in that same mix right now. And come January, February, March, they're going to be in center. St- they're going to be center stage. Uh, the Husky basketball team's awful. Uh, Cougs might be okay. Gonzaga, we don't have a ton. I mean, we have a lot of Gonzaga alums on our side of the state. If, for people that know Gonzaga, in Washington and Spokane, but it's four hours from Seattle. Right. But most of their alums live on the west side of the state, so you're kind of playing that balancing act. But this gives us something. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a weekly right now with uh, with Dave Tomlinson, who's the radio analyst, who's ph- phenomenal from used to be in Vancouver. Uh, I know used John. On the road and, trip, but yeah, yeah, it would have been nice. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think John and Everett do stuff with other shows uh, in our city and our our station. So yeah, I think we'll talk to it. I think it fits. I don't know if it's a niche as much as it's. I'll tell you what's wild, Seth. When you walk around and, you know, you go to the grocery store, or I, I drive on the Seattle waterfront every day to get to the radio station. I see more Kraken gear, sweatshirts, hoodies, jerseys walking around the town than anything. Seahawks are maybe close, um, but I see more of that than, than anything else. I mean, well, because it's fashionable. It's, it's trendy. It's very much. It's the new it's the it's, new toy. And, now, and they're sweet looking. It's really yeah, it's, it's the really new it's, cool it's the new it, it's the new toy and it's and it's people are into it. Um, they got a waiting list for season tickets. They're going to sell out every game this year. The TV numbers so far have been strong. Um, so all those things kind of come into play. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure if they can score. You watched them play, um, yeah. you know, so we'll see how it is in January, February. because They're definitely not Vegas. Well, the problem the problem is is there's so many good teams in the NHL. The NHL has the best competitive balance in all yep. sports. Yes, agree. and so there's so many good teams that if you're not good, uh, it gets really bleak really quickly. Absolutely, um, absolutely, you know, yeah. We, we've seen that. They're, they're not ve- they're not Vegas. They're not going to go to the Stanley Cup final. No, no, no. Like that's that's and that's unfortunately the bar that was set for everybody you know, coming in. Well, so. but but for people who never saw the sport, they were like, well, why can't we? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the problem that you find, and I find this, you know, as somebody who's worked in hockey and I've covered hockey for years, you always think your team's good enough. Mm-hmm. Like you look at your roster and you go, well, that's a good defenseman. And that's a good <laughs> guy. And I like my wingers and uh, yeah, we have a good yep. team. And then you go up against somebody else and they're skating circles around you and you, and you see it mm-hmm. and you can, you can tell when that, that happens. Last thing on the, on the Kraken. Yep. Um, I called them out when they announced their deal with root. I thought that if you're going to start a brand new franchise, they're the only brand new franchise in years. And if you're starting a brand new franchise in 2021, make an OTT and over the top uh, um, direct to consumer ability for people in Seattle to see the Kraken right. right now. I can see every game. Because I have ESPN Plus, I can see every game. I live in New Jersey. The idea that what has to happen, and it's going to happen in the next five, 10 years, is every team is going to wipe out these blackout rules. And you're going to be able, for a fee, to download an app. And I can watch on my phone, on my Apple TV, whatever it is. If I live in Bellevue, I should be able to see the Kraken, and I shouldn't need cable. Well, you don't need 50% of the, of the Americans in the United States right now don't have cable, right? You're targeting half your audience by doing the deal with root sports. I I get that, but that's also, that's, that's how teams make their money. And, and so I, I mean, I, I, I have no problem with it. Only in the sense of this, you know, it's, if you want to watch the Mariners and they're on root sports as well. That's our regional sports network. Um, they actually put out, they put out of business um, what used to be originally as Comcast Sports Northwest, then it was NBC Sports Northwest, yeah, the regional NBC Sports. It was down in Portland that took, they took the Blazer contract from Root Sports back in 2009, I believe it was. Oh, no, wait, hang on, let me see. 2000, yeah, about 2000 and six maybe something right like after that. So- yeah. Seattle. yeah yeah they took that they took that contract and they were in business and then you know it used to be because it used to be root sports was actually fox sports northwest etc but they took that contract and people in portland were mad as well because the only way you could watch the blazers was if you had now you didn't even have a dish or direct option because it was on comcast sports northwest oh, Yep. And, and so at least with root, you have the option of direct TV. So you have direct and you, and now there's a Fubo, I think they call it. They have, there's the Fubo so app. You can download Fubo, Fubo live and get the crack. And you, you can get the crack. That's and, different. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you the, can do that. But the and, issue, yeah. but the issue yeah. is the, the kids. And when I say kids, I'm talking right. ages. Sure. 15 I understand to 25. Yep. You know, we raise our kids to be sports fans. Right. And you have children, you, you know, mm-hmm. you raise your kids to love your teams yep. when they are on their own, whether it's in a college dorm or an apartment yeah. or they're starting their life, they are not getting cable. Yeah. They're but not getting cable. But I don't know so if that's now, a, I don't know if that's a sports problem or that's just, this is where we're headed anyway. No, you know? but I mean, it, okay. But in New York, you can't watch the Yankees. Yes. Is not on a streaming service, right? You have to have a cable password. Same thing with the Devils, Islanders, yeah. Rangers, Knicks, and yeah. Yankees. Like all those teams. So, okay, so the Kraken are on Fubo. Wonderful. That's yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. What I what my point is is that 
this has to go away. The, the dependence on on regional sports networks mm-hmm. for for revenues in a city like Seattle that is trying to, again, evolve its sports identity. You need to have these kids who are growing up watching their games at their parents' house need to be able to watch when the Kraken are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets on a Tuesday night in January. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I just I don't know what the answer is other than you got a $1.2 billion uh, investment in the building and the hockey team. And it's, it's they're they're, I mean, that's why, that's why a bottle of water is $9 in the arena. You know, I mean, it's yeah. Well, so what's the, (laughs) and they charge, and they they charge $50 for parking. What's the concourse like? Is it nice? It's got to be a a palace. I I haven't been in there since they finished it. I was there with about 30 days until it was done. It looked nice. You know, it looked nice. I mean, I don't have a desire to go right now. On the TV, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it it does. I mean, I'll, I'll listen. Everything I've heard about the building. I mean, it's odd that I did four of their games and I haven't been in there, but I'm not going to pay. <laughs> I'm not going to pay $50 for media parking and they charge that. So, um, you know, it, wow. for the media, for the media. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll, we'll, so, I mean, the cable issue is not their bigger issue. It's going to be when no one's covering the team in January, February, you know, we've already had one television station, got a car towed with all their gear in it. So yeah, it's been fun. Oh. Uh, it's been a, it's been a media relations nightmare. On for Queen them. Anne Avenue. It's, it's yeah. still in the mm-hmm. same location. Yeah, I know it's it not is. Key Arena, but it's the same place. I used to same walk, location, to same ride my same bike location. down there yeah. all the time. There's nothing about the building that's the same except for the roof. I mean, the building they gutted everything out. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, all indications are the building itself is a palace, and yeah. it looked that way when we went. We took a tour, like I said, 30 days before it was finished, so you could get. It. I mean, the seats were in. Everything was. They just hadn't finished the walls and drywall and all that stuff, but it looked gorgeous. I mean, it looked fantastic. It's the first time we've had a state of the art building. You know, when they had the Coliseum renovated a key arena key arena was just a it was tiny it was a dump the concourses were about as wide as a, a closet i mean it was just brutal so um they, they did the building right there's no doubt about it okay let's 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 transition here um in your career we're, we're similar in age and you you burst onto the scene in broadcasting in a time when it was sports radio it was local television and you have mastered both. Um, what do you see as the state of the radio world? Uh, I'm not asking you to bash KJR because no, 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 I, I love no. KJR. Yeah. It's not a KJR question. The question is more about um, as people now listen to podcasts and people mm-hmm. listen to, uh, you know, they're on TikTok and they're seeing all these different things. Um what do you see five years down the line for a midday radio show in a, in a market like Seattle? Well, I, I think, I think there's still uh, an appetite for it daily. The audience is getting older. It's kind of what you talked about with the regional sports network. It, it's changing. There's still an appetite for, you know, live local sports but the audience and how they consume it is changing for radio. I think more than ever, uh, a personality, uh, a known entity in a personality, like a known name, uh, and good content, good weekly guests in radio, um, that are compelling that you want to tune into and listen to. I think that is more important than ever before, but the you, don't, immediate- you don't, you don't take calls anymore. No, but but then that's why, because I think the immediacy isn't as important because there are people that still listen 
in the car and driving in a commute. And we all know commute times are different for everybody. They're not just, you know, seven to 8 a.m. or five to 6 p.m. In fact, I would take in our city, the five o'clock hour is not as important as the four o'clock hour. Um, but what I mean by all that is lazy sons of yeah. bitches. Uh, <laughs> well, it's Boeing, man. You work from seven to three. <laughs> That's right. their, those are their hours. Uh, in fact, there's an earlier shift that gets off at one and two, which is my audience a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. So there, you know, huh. and, that, and Boeing's our biggest employer. Uh, well, I guess Amazon maybe now, but it's, it's, you know, those are our employers. Those are the ones that commute at least, but I think all those things are important. I think there's, the immediacy is still important. The live and local is still important because of, you know, there's an interest in, you know, the, the Seahawks as opposed to tuning a national show and hearing about the Cowboys 24-7. Or, you know, who cares about the, um, the you know, the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, right? We're done. Nobody cares. So out here, they anybody in New York cares either. No, but they try to force it on you. So that part, all that content is still important. But what I mean by the, the, the name guys and the name brands and the weekly guests that are important and the compelling personalities or just the known personalities that we all have our favorites we like to listen to, mm-hmm. that's where the podcasts come in. So everything we do on the radio now is in podcast. That's and how so, I hear it. Right. Yeah, I, I and, hear all you guys and I hear it via podcast. And you look and say, okay, do I want to listen to that hour or that yep. segment? What have you? All of segments. that is still. Oh, tell your guys segments over hours. Absolutely. And, and that's all massively important. And so there's still that desire. There's still an appetite for it. There's still consumers for that. They just do it differently than maybe they used to. So the immediacy and the breaking of a story on the radio and all that stuff, that doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all because people are listening to it oftentimes, you know, 10, 12, eight hours later, whatever it might be. And so it's still there. It's just an evolving world. I think at least I'm bullish on it. I think local sports radio will always exist. How it's consumed has changed and will change. Okay. But I think that's at least, in, you know, that's kind of how I see it. I, and I just know that, yeah, our audience, our live audience maybe is getting older, but then I'll run into somebody, Seth, and they're like, ah, oh, I listen to you every day. And they're 25 years old and they're driving around in a car, like a salesman or whatever it might be. Right. So wow. I think it still exists. Here's the other thing. The terrestrial part of the radio, that part is going away. Whereas now people that are listening to us live, more and more they're listening live on the app, yeah. on the iHeart app. And, and that's so having a good, whether whatever company radio station you are, that may be more important than terrestrial because an AM signal just isn't that good in a city. So I, I think the app, so then you, that's where the contesting and all the old stuff you mentioned taking calls, it doesn't work when people have a, you know, 65 second delay because they're listening on an app. Right. And I, the calls, the, the callers, I used to hate them and I used to do it all the time. And I right. hate it. People would say, how many calls did you get? And I would go, who cares? I, I, I never wanted to have calls. I, I um, do. I do one segment a week and really one segment. I mean, unless something is just massive that breaks, right? Like just some huge story and we got it's people want to react to Seattle it. Seattle gets an NBA team. The, yeah. The only time I do calls anymore it, over a 12 month span. Is during football season, we do a fantasy football segment that's wow. become massively popular. We do one bank of calls, like eight or nine calls, and it's kind of turned into a bit because it's the same guys. We, it, you know, we have guy Mike and Edmonds is the first caller every week. He's an older gentleman. He plays in a league with his family. 
he, I call him our Helen Thomas of, uh, of, of the, of the calls because he gets the first call every week, even if he's on line three, that's such Rick, an old reference. <laughs> exactly. Ricky, Ricky and Tacoma calls up next. What's up fellas. I mean, say he has the same yeah, line every same week guy. and it's become a thing. Everyone knows these guys. Robin Buring is the worst fantasy football player in the history, man. He calls up and it sounds like Eeyore. And, and so it's not even the calls. It's just the shtick of the callers. Right. And we do those guys, Greg and Graham. I know them all. They all call, you know, yeah. Patrick and Sultan. It's all the same dudes. And then we move on to, to some text messages and questions with our yeah. fantasy guys. So that's the, the only uh, time I even take calls anymore. The uh, I remember we had a game that we played when I worked there. Um, we gave away a prize pack. If you could prove and you had to fax a photocopy of your ID that could prove you are either Seth from Everett or Clark from Kent. Those are my two because I was the outsider, you know what I mean? And yeah. I had come in and so I'm learning all these towns and I thought it was hysterical. And I would literally tell, say, say to people, hey, uh, what's your last name? Uh, Everett, like the city. Oh, and my you, gosh. I can't do that anywhere else. No, <laughs> no, no one knows that. No. And no. it's just, it's so, it, it, it was so it, unique to Seattle. I loved, I it, loved it there. It's, it, it's so true. It's so, so true. And, and, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't think, so I think with, with the changing of the, of the format, not the format, but the changing of how we consume it, it's all those evolution. Things. Yeah. Yeah. No, and but I like that. You're you know, not... We don't have an office and we have an office, but no one's there to hand out prizes anymore. No one's going to drive to Seattle to pick up a $25 gift card, you know, things like no, that. But we've so. had fossils. We've had Jody McDonald, who I love dearly. Yeah. Jody McDonald says, I have nothing without phone calls. You know, yeah. like he's an old school guy. He's sure. also 20 years older than us, you know, so, so he's an old school guy. And so there's, what I like is that you're aware of the changes and trying to make it work. And that's, yeah, and I, 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 and I, I think like that's, that. yeah, I think that's what we're doing. And I think, listen, I, like Softy, you know, at our station, I mean, he's probably the fossil. I mean, because he'll still take, he doesn't do it like he used to, but, you know, he'll still, you know, do the, you know, his favorite topic of, you know, what's on your brain. Uh, Episode but, 190 of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's, he'll do that, but even he doesn't do calls like he used to in that regard anymore. And, and so it has, I, I think, that local news and local news talk and local sports talk will always have a place. I, I would be more concerned if I was an FM jock and I was playing music because to I me, there's completely agree. to me, there's zero reason to listen to live FM. Radio. I, know, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand the FM station yeah. anymore and no. they play the same four songs and you know, it, it, my kids don't even listen to it and they're, no. 13 and 10 and they it, don't it's care. it's it's listen you're gonna play ed sheeran taylor swift and then re you know rinse repeat right cold play away we go we do the same things and <laughs> I, I think i think the only place for that is and I, I thought of this the other day my my son's going to school in spokane in eastern washington and i jumped we were over visiting him watching him play football and and i jumped in his car to go get him gas because he was showering after the game and and i jumped in and he had a he had an fm station on from spokane that was whatever music he listens to. And I thought, well, you know, short trip, don't want to hook up your phone and turn yeah. on Pandora or, you know, iHeart or whatever you want to listen yeah. to music on. Right. So he, there is, there is that, but if you're in the car for more than five or 10 minutes, you're going to turn your phone on your pod, whatever it is, podcast, Amazon music, Apple music, Pandora, iHeart, whatever it might be, you're going to turn that on if you want to listen to music. Well, it'll, it'll evolve. I think once, uh, we, we, I've covered this on this show before. It'll evolve once the cars, the car companies are not in bed with Sirius XM. 
once that changes, then it'll be, there'll be apps and there'll be ways to link your podcasts or your music service to the radio directly, not through your phone. And it's coming. It's definitely coming. Last thing. uh, And this is something I knew. I thought of this topic when we were at lunch. You are not a shtick guy. You are not wacky. You right. are not, and I, I, I this is a, a long-winded compliment, so take it as it were, is not the funniest person I've ever met. You are a guy who I have admired because I think anyone who listens to you, whether it's on television, I've seen your, your stuff on television, or on the radio, they just feel like they know you. How is that a conscious thing? And did you feel pressure when you were younger to be the wacky morning guy or the whack, you know, the, the outlandish, you are not a blowhard. You don't have, you have strong opinions, but you don't have hot takes. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have molded this style where you just want to know what Ian's thinking. Is that a conscious thing or is that just, that's who you are? Um, probably both, probably both. I think, I think in the, you know, I, I got into sports radio after I'd worked in TV news for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing some play-by-play in, in minor league and junior hockey. And I kind of evolved. You mentioned David Locke earlier. I mean, I got hired by David in Salt Lake. I was working in Salt Lake and I got hired by him. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, to do, he was working at 1320 K-Fan during the Jazz, the, when the Jazz were taking their runs to the finals. And I was the hockey, I did the hockey team. I did the minor league hockey team. Before that, I'd worked in television in Seattle. Another great guy. Another great yeah. guy who's embraced podcasting. Exactly. Um, owns, a, owns a podcasting network, last I checked. <laughs> Done really well. But, you know, David, I, I'd worked in TV news at Como TV in Seattle and as a sports producer and then got in front of the mic doing hockey. And then he hired me to do, like, late, late night, you know, call in, talk about callers. Like, Jazz win in the finals, Jazz lose in the finals, in the Western Conference finals. We were doing shows until 2 in the morning in Salt Lake. And that's how I started. Well, I kind of evolved into doing a show there. And at our station at 1320 K fan, we had this massive talent pool, Seth, like David Locke, Kevin Graham, mm-hmm. John Lund, Tim Benz, myself, uh, Tim Benz. I graduated with Tim. Benz. All these guys we had this. And I mean, Mark Armstrong's didn't just, just finished doing TV in Charlotte or uh, in Greensboro. I think it was for years. I mean, all these guys and, the one thing that I always thought was every one of us was our, we were ourself. We were who we were on that station mm-hmm. because of that. I think we were able to just have, we had a lot of success because we're the jazz flagship. So you had a built in audience, but I think it allowed us just to be ourselves, not have to try too hard, you know, and every one of us was different, but every one of us was very much on the air, off the air, the same exact person. And I've never, Maybe I'm just old and was old, an old soul then. I've never liked, you know, the guy that's different on the air and off the air. I, I just hate that. Um, if you see me at a kid's youth soccer game back, you know, 20 years ago, and my kids were doing that or whatever. I mean, I, hopefully I'm the same. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a Coug fan. I'm just a sports fan. I'm the same as everybody else. And I just have a platform and I'm able to articulate that every day. And so I always try to thought that, you know, to be fake or phony or try too hard, it just doesn't work. So it works for some guys. There's no doubt it does work for some guys, but it doesn't work for me. 
when I first started in Salt Lake, I probably was a little more hot take-ish in the sense that I didn't really care what people thought uh, of me personally. And, and, and I still really don't. I mean, if you know me, then I care about your opinion, but outside of that, no, I mean, but, but I, you know, I would say things that I never would say now just to get a reaction, but I learned quickly that that's not how you do it. And so, yeah, now when I came up here and and part of it is my other job, like I, I'm, I'm on television. Um, You know, we were a little more buttoned down there and it's a little bit more of a, you know, a, a journalistic uh, endeavor as opposed to sports radio. So I think you can do all of the above. And I think just if you're yourself, it works. And if you're yourself and it doesn't work, then so be it that consumer decides if it doesn't work and you do something else because not enough people listen or watch you. And, and so that's kind of how I've always approached it. Just try to be yourself. There's days when you're going to fly off the handle and scream and yell on the radio and lose your mind. There's other days when you're not. And maybe more importantly, there's days that you're having a good day in life and you got a lot of energy and there's days when you're not. And I think that the listener and or the viewer can relate to that because it's authentic and it's real. And everyone has the good day and the bad day. And if the guy on the radio can't be hundred percent all the time. Um, and sometimes you just have to be honest, especially in today's world. I love it. I'm glad I asked. We had two directions we could have gone to wrap this up. Uh, that was one of them. The other was, uh, I know how you feel about baseball and I've done too many of them. I've done too many episodes and I promised what I'm going to do uh, when the World Series is over and everything is over um, and baseball goes into its fourth month of uh, labor strife, uh, I'll do I'll start doing some baseball centric podcasts because that sport just saddens me. It, it, it makes me so sad to see. Well, what, it, saddens, what it saddens me. It saddens me for a different reason than for you. It saddens me because we haven't had the ability to enjoy it here for a long time. You know, right, like but that's that's yeah. a bad team that, you know, yeah. that, that's yeah. a bad team. What I'm talking yeah. about is just the evolution of the sure. sport in an ugly way. Yeah. Uh, Ian, um, continued success. Thanks, man. Um, what you did that week was was truly remarkable. I thought it was such a cool story. Thanks. Uh, I'm really glad we got to tell it on the show. But also, uh, your support has always been been wonderful, and you will continue to have mine. Um, let's just keep in touch and have you back on the podcast. Anytime, my man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. The great Ian Furness, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. By the way, uh, Ian is on social media. Give everybody your social media handle. Uh, Ian Furness with two S's and another S, S-E-A. Ian Furness, S-E-A at Twitter. So if yep. there's anything on this podcast that you heard that uh, you have an issue with, reach out to <laughs> Ian directly and leave get, me the hell out. Get in line. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Sports with Friends. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see I'm about to go and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me you'll never be in doubt that's what it's all about you can't take me for granted and smile yeah, I'm crazy. I'm gone forget reaching me by phone because I promise I'll be gone for a Taking up my
time.